You're listening to Contesting Wrestling, Minisode 25. The Minisode that's coming after what I'm sure was a deeply surreal WrestleMania. One that I will watch between now and next week. But I did not watch because, as is the whole thing with this podcast, just not that into it. However, this episode... I plan on sitting back a little bit and letting my co-hosts wax thoughtful about the about the audience-free spectacular. Um, and besides just being about WrestleMania, we're also reflecting on uh, episode 24, which was about Charlotte Flair, Whoa. and which is the very last episode we yes. recorded pre-quarantine. Yes, we are currently recording this on, what's the date? April 6th. I already was very staunchly anti-time, anti-respecting linear time as a concept before this happened. Now that I have lost any connection to that feeling of experiencing linear time, um, I'm even more against it than I used to be. So that's where I am. Don't want to go back to linear time. The joke's on you all. I never experienced linear time. You're like the aliens in Arrival. I didn't see Arrival. Whatever that is, yeah, yeah. Oh. Wow, spoilers for Oops. Arrival, Ben. Wow. It's a great movie. Everybody should see it. It's kind of spoilers, yeah. No, yeah, that definitely was spoilers. I thought you'd <laughs> I thought at least you'd seen it. I had it's one of my I would it say it's one of my favorite science fiction movies of all oh. time. Okay, so and in that episode we had wondered whether WrestleMania was going to take place in Tampa. At the stadium, well, as was It planned. took place in Tampa. Uh, it did not. It took place... Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. It is in Orlando, Orlando, isn't it? Isn't the... Meh. It's Orlando. Yeah, the PC is our, the performance center, the WWE performance center, where they train their new recruits, is in Orlando, and they had the show there, as they have been having shows since the quarantine started, uh, with no audience, with as limited a crew as possible. And they taped... For the first time, this WrestleMania wasn't live. They taped all the matches the week before, and then they broadcast them on this last Saturday and Sunday. And some of them, or the majority of them, took place in the little arena they had set up in the Performance Center with no audience. But a couple of matches were taped on uh, different kinds of sets. And I thought those were by far the most successful of the matches. A full cinematic, yeah. I, I think uh, most people have been agreeing, they've been raving about the matches that they went full movie on. Um, before we get into those, you know, as long as we're reflecting on Charlotte, Charlotte ended up having a heck of a moment herself at WrestleMania. You know, she oh, she had one of the actual match matches of the, like, besides the cinematic matches, were, which were entities in and of themselves, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley probably had the best actual match of the weekend. I agree, yeah. For, that was the only match that for some part of it, I wasn't thinking about how there was no crowd. Like, Charlotte was able, especially Charlotte, both of them, but especially Charlotte, was able to engage my attention to a degree that I didn't feel like I was missing the crowd during that match. Well, that's why she's the best, you know, and... Uh... You know, and a further feather in her cap, she did end up winning the NXT championship for a second time. Full circle, you know, she went all the way through the main roster, came back, won the first title that she won again. And she's one of the only people that could elevate that title as high as it's up there. So now the best has the belt. Oh, uh, in the midst of all the hoes being mad about it, I'm like, oh, what? They gave the 
best women's title in the company to their top woman star? Shock. Pikachu shock face. Basically. I mean, Rhea Ripley, she's great. Oh, she's incredible, she'll be too, a yeah. big star for them, but she's not uh, good enough to be beating Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, Rhea Ripley is like point. 23 years old. <laughs> yeah, that too. Who did um, the most wrestling at WrestleMania this year? The most wrestling? Well, That's a good question. Actually, the pre-show match of the first night, Drew Gulak and Cesaro, who are two of my favorites, two guys who came out of Chikara, um, and are great, awesome technical wrestlers. I felt they had, like, I don't know if they had the longest match, but there was the most wrestling per minute of any match. Yeah, they just went right at each other, hold for hold. And I thought, when, I remember they watching the, that match. They and had thinking, the max WPM of the show. They had the max WPM. Yes, exactly. exactly yeah. They did. I remember thinking during their match, like, they just wrestled as hard as you possibly can, and I was still missing the crowd. I don't think anybody else is going to do better than that. Charlotte, I think, did succeed in doing better than that. Well, some some matches did better at making it okay that there wasn't a crowd than that. Uh, I think Cesaro and Drew wrestled their hearts out. They they only did wrestle for like four minutes or something. They're both fantastic. They both you know did very well. If you wrestle at sixty WPM, and then even if you only do four minutes, that's a that's two hundred and forty wrestlings. You know, it, 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 back in uh, in the mid '80s, uh, there was a, a complaint in the heavy metal community when a, a certain Slayer album came out that was only like 26 minutes long. To, was that Diabolus and Music Guy? I think it was one of the ones before that. That's the one where they slowed okay. down. No, they were still like peak screaming. Uh, to which their oh, response gotcha. was, "Our we have as many choruses, verses, and guitar solos on our album as on any Judas Priest album. We're just playing it faster." And that's, you know, and I, uh, Slayer's not my favorite band in Evan. I know you're particularly rankled about them, but that's essentially the point. You know, they didn't do any I'm not less rankled. Work. They're just bad. <laughs> they, they didn't. The point is they weren't ripping their fans off. They were just playing faster. There's still 11 songs, you know, enjoy it or don't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, overall, I had a hard time getting into the matches with no crowd for like reasons we've talked about. I mean, it probably didn't help that on Saturday I gave that whole talk at the WrestlePosium where I claimed that wrestling doesn't work if there's no <laughs> crowd. So maybe professionally I was sort of uh, priming myself not to enjoy I... it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Did you, do you guys share my um my feeling that 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 it was kind of hard it to hurts watch i feel like it hurts certain matches more than it hurt other matches it hurt the last man standing match that there wasn't a crowd also that match was like 10 minutes too long uh see i actually that was actually one of my favorite matches of the two nights i do agree that it was a bit too long um but i was engaged by it the whole time i could have watched those guys fight forever they really felt like they were fighting at the end of the world. And what was also kind of cool about their match was that they wrestled all around the performance center. So you got to see all of these views of the performance center that you'd never seen before. Yeah, how about that gym hanging spot? <laughs> oh, that was fucked up. So, oh, Evan, man. I don't know if you know, when Chris Benoit was found, uh, having killed himself, he had hung himself from his gym equipment. In the Randy Orton-Edge last man standing match last night, they did a spot where Orton fucking hangs Edge from the gym equipment. It oh, my. Was, 
Poor taste. Oh yeah, that, that was my reaction, did, too. Did they have absolutely no audience, or were there, like, a couple, like, other wrestlers or something in the audience? None. No audience. No. The no show audience, felt nothing. as if the human race had been completely decimated, and they were just still wrestling. And and for some of those matches, it worked. So, like, that was part of the, the disconnect for me, was if they were fighting, like, fuck, we're the last two people on Earth, but I still fucking hate you. <laughs> um, that worked for me. If they were just still wrestling like it was a league and they just wanted to win the match, I'm like, fucking go home. You yeah. know? If I can make a generalization, I think for the most part, the women's matches were just better than the men's. I think that the women still wrestled like they have something to prove whether or not there was a big audience there. And I think some of the men's matches lacked that, uh, especially like that opening, um, the the tag team match, the uh, Asuka and Kyrie Sane versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I was very impressed with the intensity they managed to come up with, even without a crowd to play off of. Even if Nikki Cross looked a little dumb, clapping, trying to get the non-existent <laughs> crowd to go a little, they really felt like they were trying to win the titles or lose the or uh, uh, wrestle for the titles. I thought the five-way SmackDown women's title match told a great story. Oh, yeah, with, me too. Um, Bailey, as you were telling me in the chat, um, you know, Bailey finally fully coming into her heel character and the whole dynamic between her and Sasha. I thought that was done really well. She saved Sasha several times in that match, but she couldn't save her every time. And in the end, nobody turned on each other again, because why would they? Um, the other match I felt really needed a crowd. And this 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 is probably an obvious statement was Drew versus Brock. Oh, yeah. Drew was robbed of his crowd reaction. Can you imagine the crowd after he kicked out of that third F5? Could you imagine how much they'd have lost That's how many beat The Undertaker. Right. Exactly. I felt like what also took away from that match a bit was they did the exact same fucking thing with Braun Strowman and Goldberg. Yes. They had almost identical matches. They should have done something else with Braun Strowman, I feel like, because it it made more sense for drew and brock than it did for braun and goldberg it was it was you were rooting for drew more is the thing braun is it's it's uh i guess i'll say it here it's great that they finally went with braun three years after killing his heat and two weeks after he said some really insensitive shit about indie wrestlers you know and and the business turned on him as a whole kind of the match that disturbed me the most was the ladder match because yeah. these guys are doing these death-defying spots for no re- reaction. Like, seeing a guy fall off a ladder onto another ladder to silence is just... Like, it, it brought home to me the fact that it's like, these guys shouldn't be doing this. They should be home with their families. <laughs> like, this is fucking barbaric exploitation. And I, I just couldn't help thinking, like, what if they got horribly injured? in that match and we're just like carted out of this empty building like into a hospital where like that bed is needed for someone with COVID-19 like the whole thing was just extremely disturbing to me yeah and um, Owens jumping off the Wrestlemania sign to the delight of nobody in the audience I mean it was spectacular but it looked great oh he he did it perfectly the whole time I kept watching these things like man this would be really cool if there was a crowd like as if I was watching their rehearsal you know like oh this is gonna be really cool when it's the real show who did the best wrestling the best I mean define wrestling (laughs) well I mean I think the best wrestling match 
you know, in terms of moves and telling a story in the ring was Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with great. you on that 100%. If you really wanted like a hard-pressed, like, look you in the eye answer to that question, I'd say Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, although she does certainly get a reaction when she comes out, she kind of exuded when she came out in her robe that she wasn't posing for a crowd that wasn't there. She was posing for herself because of how awesome she was. She wrestled for herself <laughs> because of how awesome she was and she won the title because she was better than her opponent and that's that's how you do it in front of no but crowd I, but i think the two best segments in all of mania the two best they called the matches yeah. and i guess we can call them matches in a certain sense in a certain sense were the two that were straight films that were completely cinematic that weren't filmed in the ring and they were the Undertaker versus AJ Styles boneyard match which pretty much everyone universally loved and the John Cena Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse match which was actually somewhat divisive but I think was absolutely absolutely brilliant it was one of my favorite things WWE has ever done I've seen way more people who wow. liked both of them than uh then didn't yeah they were completely different from each other like the firefly funhouse if if, if we're gonna have evan watch something from wrestlemania don't watch nine hours total of what was wrestlemania but like it would be one of these because it's way out of left field the firefly funhouse match was like a nightmare on elm street movie if you have time evan you should probably watch the firefly funhouse the boneyard and the charlotte match just so you can yeah, see one of the matches with no crowd Return of the weekend, everyone. The SmackDown Fist. Oh, yeah, the SmackDown Fist behind John Cena. <laughs> so the, the conceit behind the Firefly Funhouse match ended up being uh, John Cena got trapped in, like, Mr. Rogers-style Bray Wyatt's kids show and then, got uh, then was taken through a series of, like, nightmarish recreations of points in Cena's past. And nitro for some reason. Well, yeah, with sprinklings, with sprinklings of Hogan. Yeah, with a little bit of Hogan's Hogan in history, it. which was really important because I mean I don't want to give too much away to Evan if he's going to watch. A it. lot of it's referential that Evan's not going to get anyway, but I'd like to hear the his reaction. The whole story, sure. yeah, the whole story is basically Bray Wyatt trying to convince Cena that he's actually a heel, basically. and using. And, huh. and, and referencing Hogan, because it turned out Hogan was really a heel, right? The right. NWO, as we've talked about, is Hogan being revealed to being the, you know, the far, the, the crook, um, the con man that Bobby Heenan always says he was. Right. And Heenan was always right, everybody. And Wyatt is trying to convince Cena of this, which plays into this thing where the crowd has, you know, half the crowd has always booed Cena and people have wanted him to turn heel but he's never turned heel and Wyatt is trying to convince him through this thing. Like, no, you really should because that's who you really are. And in the end, well, we'll see what happens next <laughs> because well, I sent out search dogs. I think the story is that Wyatt actually ends up psychologically convincing wow. Cena of it. Well, I hope so. We'll see the next time we see Cena who, who knows when, when that's going to be. Um, yeah, it was. Well, I mean, yeah, who knows when there's going to be more wrestling again? Now, yeah. the other one of these cinematic pieces was uh, I'd say this one was a little more straightforward. It was AJ Styles Definitely. and The Undertaker 
AJ Styles challenged The Undertaker to a boneyard match. And if you don't know what a boneyard match is, yeah, neither does anybody else. It's, it's not like a thing that's happened. And it I was going to say, have there, ever been a, has there ever been a boneyard match before? Nope. No. So it ended up they fought like in this field with a house and like a graveyard or something, which could have been hokey and bad, honestly. But it wasn't. It was directed well. The scenes made sense. The Undertaker came off being really cool, which was absolutely crucial. Um, and him and AJ Styles had a crazy fight. And there and you know AJ Styles' boys were there, and a bunch of druids showed up, and there was fire. And the druids turned heel. And lasers and like a lot of cool stuff that they could only do with the budget that the WWE has. They should just and do my, wrestling like this from now on. I'd like it a lot better. Without the Me crowd, too. they yeah. really should. They should really dip into the these like cinematic possibilities of what they can do with their wrestlers. My favorite part of the Boneyard match was when. Undertaker's taking heat when AJ is beating him up and calling him an old man and telling him his time is over. Undertaker really feels like an old man. He, he kind like of is. In, in those parts, he seems, you know, decrepit and ancient. And then when he comes back, he seems full of life again. Yeah. And it was this really cool, they really made you feel, and especially given the current circumstances and the fact that a lot of our aged elderly relatives are going to die from this fucking COVID-19 shit. So yeah, so it just, it really uh, hit close to home because, you know, the impending specter of death is something increasingly real for all of us, uh, but especially our elderly relatives. Yeah, that's heavy, man. Damn. Hey, Minnie. Well, Ben, thanks. Hey, I mean, you know, I look, it's my it's, job it's, to read into these things that deeply. Okay, so. Like, literally your job. Wow, Ben, Evan has enough trouble sleeping at night anyway. That's for, that's for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's, I keep having, like, the dreams where I'm leading the armies at the end of time. It doesn't matter. Uh, do you have any more things to say about wrestling mania? I have a couple of things about the Charlotte episode, actually. Go for it. All right, go for so it. So one thing is, uh, so the BFFs, I had to look it up. They're the beautiful, fierce females. That was her stable in NXT with uh, Summer Rae. Um, oh, female. I I hate referring to women as females, but that's I, that would be too long of a rant for the mini. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. I prefer to refer to them as Jezebels. Right, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Diva. I like like Jim Ross does. I like the word chicks. Babes. I, I like chicks. Um, so the, we talked about how the Flares are like the Lannisters of WWE. They are the Lannisters to the McMahon's Targaryens. Yeah, that makes sense. And the Hearts are definitely the Starks. Yeah, oh, they're from the frozen north and everything, and they're more stoic. And they were betrayed. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's perfect. I I didn't. I jo I know just enough about Game of Thrones to get all of that. It, aren't the Targaryens all like crazy too? Yep. Well, every okay. every other generation. I guess basically. the Guerreros are the Tyrells. Yeah. I could see that. I was thinking the Anoais are are the Martells. Oh sure, sure. I was thinking maybe the Funks no. as the Greyjoys. This has been Contesting Wrestling. 
All right, so so WrestleMania, like, they did better than, like, I think they had any business doing, considering the circumstances. Definitely. Like, if they weren't going to actually postpone it or cancel it, like, everybody came and still acted like it was WrestleMania in the ring. Almost everybody came. Yeah, well, the everyone who, who was able to come uh, did. and I came. I'm sure you did, Ben. I, I really liked Drew McIntyre reaching out at the camera after he won the title. Like, you're all here. Because this show was for the people Yeah, that's a couple of home. points on that. Um, nobody addressed the camera the entire time except for John Cena and Drew McIntyre. And John Cena, it makes sense. He's kind of like Deadpool or Bugs Bunny in the WWE universe where he He's breaks the fourth wall. And yeah, McIntyre, actually, if you they did a WWE Network special about the week leading up to Mania and how McIntyre was about to accomplish his greatest dream of headlining WrestleMania when all this shit came down. And it's a really, you know, um, heartfelt kind of uh, story that they tell in uh, in the documentary. And he says in it, he's like, I will feel all of you watching while I'm in that ring, even though you're not there. So it made sense for him to address the camera. Um, as well but the rest of them they wrestled as if you know the again the human race no longer existed and that this was the the rest the only world that still remained i mean isn't it until further notice (laughs) this has been contesting wrestling we're still here next week (laughs) if not uh stay out of the ocean Yes, don't go there. Um, I will watch several matches from WrestleMania by next week, so I'll give you my thoughts on them at the time. Um, But yeah, follow us on Twitter at ContestingW. Uh, Listen to our main feed episodes every Monday. If you really like us, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash ContestingWrestling, where we put out one whole bonus episode every week for five bucks a month. Or if you want to support us but you don't have five bucks a month, you can just give us one dollar a month to get access to the main feed episodes several weeks in advance. Uh, Doc Doc has an OnlyFans now, so I still do not have an OnlyFans. Thank you. I have a what is it called when it's like OnlyFans, but it's also for people who aren't fans of you? Pornhub. It's just everybody. There we go. That's what I got one of those now. <laughs> it's hot. We love you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>